Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. The reason, guys, I mention the 80s is not because I'm just like, hey, I'm a big 80s guy, but I grew up as a teenager in the mid-80s, okay? Um, little kid is a 70s kid, but in the 80s, guys, it was really when rock and heavy metal were, were, were coming into the scene. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was the metal band with the long hair, man, and they had the earrings, and they had, I mean, that's, this is kind of what was going on. And, and, and here's the thing, man, it wasn't uncommon for a young man at that age and, and all my friends to grow out their hair. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, that was kind of the norm. You just, you just had long hair, man. You wanted to kind of hang out and, and, and you do that. Or, or it wasn't uncommon for the guys at that point to start piercing their ear. Now, remember, I said ear, not ears. Okay? But they would pierce their left ear. That was kind of the cool thing to do, man. You, you had long hair and you had an earring and it was just like, man. And, and, uh, that's kind of what was, that's kind of how I was, I was growing, and everybody kind of wanted to be like the metal groups, the rock stars, and um, say, I myself, being a typical teenager, I grew my hair. But I, listen, it wasn't like down to here or on my back. I mean, it was kind of shoulder length. You know, it was it was, it was kind of like this. And and uh, man, I I wanted to pierce my ear, right? I thought it was cool. I had just gotten saved, and I wanted to put a little cross there, and I wanted to represent. And man, I, I just. I never did. I'll tell you why in, in, in just a minute. So here I am, about 17 years old. i just gotten saved. Long hair, shoulder length, right? Listening to music. And then I found out that, that, that there was a Christian band, a metal Christian band that I really, really liked. And what I liked about it is they sang about Jesus, and it was so cool. And then when I looked at them, I, I noticed they all had long hair. And I was just like, wow. Now, I know you guys are tracking because either you grew up in the 80s or you've seen pictures. Pastor, where are you going? See, when I was 17, when I got saved, most like most of us when we get saved, we don't know much about the Bible. We just know that we love Jesus. And we're not exactly sure what happened. We just know something happened. I'm changed. I'm changed. I don't, I don't know the Bible that well, but I know I'm I'm trying to know I love Jesus, and then one day it happened. You go, Ben, what happened? There was an older lady who worked at the grocery store. I was a sacker at the time, and she was a checker. And the older lady, right, she claimed to be a Christian, claimed to go to church. And she came to me, and she told me that my long hair dishonors God. And I'll never forget it. It so impacted me. I mean, basically here I am, just a teenager, trying to navigate through being a Christian, trying to just like, I'm, I'm saved and I don't know exactly what happened. And here's this lady, she comes to me and she goes, hey, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but you having long hair, it's a sin to God. It is? Are you sure? Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's, it's, it's a sin to God. And, and, and I was blown, I was, I, I was just like, this is just... Here's this woman, claims to be a Christian in the Lord, telling me that I'm in sin because of the way I look. Now, I'm blown away that the Bible would say, right, that would say such legalistic terms that having long hair was dishonoring to God. 
Because in all the pictures that I've ever seen of Jesus, he always had long hair. You know, and so I'm like, okay, so now I'm confused. I've just gotten saved, right? I'm walking with Jesus. I love Jesus. But now you're telling me I can't have long hair. Oh, I can't have earrings or I can't, the way I look. I mean, this was, this impacted me so much. How so, Pastor? Well, guys, it, it allowed me to question my faith. You see, oftentimes we say, hey, man, you need to come to Jesus, but you better clean yourself up first. You need to do this. You need to do that. But see, that's not our Jesus. Our Jesus says, come to me first, and then I'll clean you up. Now, again, she's saying, man, you need to, you need to cut your hair. You need, that's, you know, that, that's, as you can see, 46 years later, it impacted me. I struggled with my faith in that. God would want me on the basis of how I look or how long my hair was, or if I had an earring, or if I didn't have an earring, or if I wore a certain type of clothing. What made things worse, guys, is that I've always wanted to pierce my ear. That was the custom. And so I found somebody at school that day, it was in high school, I found somebody at school that had an earring, but it was a magnet. You know the magnet ones where you didn't have to get a piercing and you just put a magnet? I thought this would be cool, so I said, can I borrow this? So I had it on, right? I wanted to try it out. Let me try it out. So I put it, right? And so I had it on, and I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. You're right, I'm just excited, right? And then I go over to my pastor's house, okay, because I was best friends with his son, Right? And, and I walk in, and I'm just like, hey, right? And I'll never forget. I'll never forget this, guys. You go, what? What happened? My pastor's wife saw it. She was like a second mom to me. And when she saw it, she flipped out. Okay? I'm not kidding you. Now, understand, she flipped out in a loving way. Oh, no, you know, no, Mijito, you can't have that in your, oh, no, this. And I mean, she's just going on, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just a magnet. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I really freaked me out. She thought I pierced my ear. You know, Christians can't have pierced ears or long hair. Guys, the problem is that there's nothing in Scripture about having your ear pierced. There's nothing that says culturally you can't do this. As you can see, that impacted me as well. Why? I don't have my ear pierced. It just did. You go, Ben, could you get to the point? Here's the point. You ready? There are people that will run into, guys, that will at times reprimand you. They will admonish you from a passage of Scripture in a very legalistic way that can make such an impact on you that your walk becomes a limp. And again, I know these women, I mean, they love, I mean, they love Jesus. I know my pastor's wife loved me, but it made such an impact that my walk with Jesus became a limp. Really? That's how God sees me? This is, I don't know much about the Bible, but I'm not sure. And of course, now you have heavy metal on TV on one side, and then you have TV preachers on the other, and they're clean cut, and you're just like, I'm just kind of confused, and I don't know what to do. And now they're saying it's in, it's in the Bible. Now, these were well-meaning sisters in the Lord, but the impact it might have caused in me, it could have been detrimental. How so? I could have said, well, if that's how God wants, man. You, you guys, are you tracking with me? Because if we go, that's how God, if that's how God sees me, I don't, I'm not going to follow him. I mean, if he's worried about how long my hair is or what I look like or so forth or so forth or so forth. Now, there is a point to this and you go, here's why. Listen, the Bible doesn't command 
a man to have short hair or nor piercings. You get that. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. Now, here's what it does say, and I want you to look, and I want you to highlight it. Look at verse 14 of chapter 11, because this is where she got this from. You go, what's that? 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen says this. Does not even nature itself teach you that a man, that if a man has long hair, it is its dishonor to him? Boom. Now I got a verse to stand on. Church, listen to me. If you take a verse out of context, it becomes a pretext, and then you can make it say anything you want to say. Okay? So I know this is the verse she was headed. The Bible says, look, it's right here. It's it. And here's the thing. It's in the Bible. Oh, it's in the Bible. What happened? Well, Paul says, does not even nature itself teach that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him. Boom. I got you. I got you. Here's what she didn't realize. 46 years later, I don't have long hair. That wasn't an issue. But this is, this is where she's coming. Are you, are you guys tracking with me? You understand where I'm going here, okay? So here's what I want you to know. Paul is asking, he actually asks a question. But here's what I want you to do. Look at verse 14. This is so imperative, right? Notice what he says. He says, does not even, what's that next word? Nature, right? He's not even talking about God. This is nature in itself. So it's not a command from God. Well, but people say, hey, listen, listen, this is, this is, this is what you got, this, this is what you got, okay, okay? So in order to understand the text, we must grab the principle first, and then we have to come back and unpack it, okay? Now, what Paul's going to talk about, guys, he's going to talk about women coming in the, the authority of their husbands, he's going to talk about head covering, he's going to talk all about these things. And I could make a strong doctrinal case why every woman in here doesn't have a head covering if I take it out of Scripture, if I take it out of context. But I want to teach you what the Bible says, okay? This is what Paul is saying. So what is, what is the principle? What is the principle? Go down a couple of verses, guys. This is the key for this text. Look at verse 16, okay? Paul says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom nor do, the ch- nor do the churches of God. Here's the point. You ready? Paul says, if anyone wants to argue about it, all I have to say is neither we nor the churches of God have any other custom in worship. Paul's going, listen, I'm not going to fight you about it. This is just, we're not, we're, I'm not teaching this in any other church. This is for Corinth. Everybody got that? Okay? Culturally, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. And you go, all right, okay, cool. Now we got a problem. We have a problem with that verse. And you go, why do we have a problem with that verse? Because here's what can happen, guys. This was very specific for the church in Corinth. This was not a command, nor was Paul teaching this in any other church. Like he wasn't saying, okay, let's talk about head covering in Galatians. Let's talk about head covering in Colossae or Philippi. He says, this is for... Corinth, right? And the problem is, guys, listen, before we move on to the text, we have to do some work. And you go, why, pastor, why? Because here's what we do when it comes to the text or to the word of God. When we hear Paul write something in verse 16 and say, hey, this is just for, listen, I'm not going to argue about it. I'm not teaching it anywhere else. This is for you. Then we go, oh, what's the first thing we do, guys? Oh, This is a cultural thing. 
we really don't have to apply the principles taught here. We can skip it. This text is not for us. You understand? Think about this. In all of the church you ever visit is that pastor's done topical teachings. He's never done a topic on 1 Corinthians 11. Everybody wants to skip it. Why? It's so deep in culture. But our problem is that we can take the word of God and go, well, Paul's, peach, Paul's just pre- he's not preaching to me. He's preaching to Corinth. We don't have to pay attention to it. Is that true, guys? Should we not pay attention to the word of God? If God saw fit to put it in there, as Paul wrote this, we need to pay attention. But we have a tendency to go, well, he's not teaching it anywhere else. So I'm not even going to read it. Don't we do that with the Old Testament sometimes? We go, well, we're not under the Old Covenant. We're under the New Covenant. Therefore, we're going to do away with the Old Testament. There are churches that don't teach the Old Testament because they say we're under the New Covenant, but there's so much rich food in the Old Testament. You got to read it. God put it in there. That's one thing. You go, what else? Well, number two, let's put on our other hat. Let's put on our legalistic hat, right? You go, what do you mean? Well, you might not say, well, it doesn't apply to me, but here's what we do. We put on our legalistic boots and say, well, all women must wear a head covering and not have short hair. And all men who have long hair, they're in sin. We can, we can be legalistic and say, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So if a woman in here goes, man, I just want short hair because I am so tired of messing with my hair. I just don't like it. Ah! Oh, no, you can't. You can't. You have to have long hair. You have to have long hair. And if a guy in here, not Joe, but if a guy in here has long hair, we could say, see, Joe's not in sin. He's, you're okay, Joe. You're, you're all right. You're all right. Beverly, I don't know. You have short hair, Beverly. You have short hair. You see, we can become legalistic and right here go, see, there's your, th- that's the problem. So, 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 so what do we do? We have to take it in the context that Paul is teaching. Okay? Here's the thing. Remember, Paul is answering some questions and concerns to this church. So he will have an applicational point for us to learn, but we have to remember. If anyone wants to argue this point, he says, I'm not teaching it anywhere else. He says, we have no other custom in worship. In worship. So why is Paul saying worship? Here it is. Listen. What have we talked about so far? Paul says, man, listen, guys, there's five major points going on in the church of Corinth. Five major. He says the first one we've already talked about, that's when there were divisions in the church, right? The church was standing up going, we're saved, but we really like this pastor. He's really awesome. Well, we really like that. Well, I'm, of, I'm of Apollos. Well, really? Well, I'm of Cephas and Cephas. Well, I'm not even of those guys. I'm of Jesus. And, and they were causing divisions in the church, guys. And that's the one thing God does not want us to do is be divided. He wants us... To love each other. Paul addresses that. The second thing he addresses, guys, in chapter 5 to 7, you remember this, he addresses problems related to sex, singleness, and marriage. He says, listen, this is what we got to talk about. In chapters 8 through 10, we just finished this up, guys. There was issues about food and idolatry and food sacrifice to idols and how we should behave. Well, now we start a new section. Chapter 11 to 14, Paul is going to address some problems in their weekly worship services. 
Okay, that's what he's going to talk about. So that's where we are. He's going to dedicate four chapters to worship gatherings. The church has some problems, right, when they came to church. Can you believe that? I would not like to be the pastor of that church because he's got some issues. They've got some issues. So this is the start of the next session. Now, let me just say this. This portion of Scripture is tough. It's a tough text. So show me some grace as I bear to unpack what he has for us. Ready? Let me set the stage. How? I want to point out verse 1 to you, okay? In verse 1, it's actually part of chapter 10, but he says this. Paul says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Why would Paul say that? Well, this was his final thought because last week we discovered God's heart. What was it? Is that people matter. Last week, the Apostle Paul exhorts us to exercise what we call the law of love. The law of love. Okay? When he writes to us in verse 33, and it says, I too, Paul says, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many will be saved. Okay? That's his heart, guys. That's the heart. In order to do, right? In order to do that, we need to follow the example of Paul's example of Christ. Okay? When I say we need to have the heart of God, we need to have the heart of God. What's God's heart? If you want to know what God's heart is, you need to look at the word. He's about people. He's about people coming to him. He's about people getting saved. He, he, that's his heart. Right? John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. He bankrupted heaven. That's his heart. His heart was to reconcile all of us. And it should break his heart that people are going, No, I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. It should break our heart that our people are walking away from God. It should break our heart because God's heart is that he wants, he's done everything to reconcile us back into heaven. He's done everything. And so again, he's saying people matter. Why, Paul? Why would you, why would you put away your rights and your, and, and who you are? And why would you do that? Because he goes, because I, I need to see people saved. I need to see people saved. How do we do that? The first thing we do is we look at Paul's example, right? Paul was, Paul was persecuting the church and he got saved on the road to Damascus. And we have to remember that was us. I, contrary to what you believe, you weren't born saved. I don't care if you grew up in church and your mama had you right here on the pew. You were not born saved. You got saved. You remember who you were. And so you're saved. And you got to remember there are people who, oh, yeah, I remember acting like that. Don't worry. You're coming to Jesus. Trust me. Don't worry. I know. Right? Sometimes our kids, sometimes our teenagers forget that we used to be not saved at one point. And they try to do stuff, and you're like, really? Psh, that's a JV. You don't even know what I used to do. <laughs> You've got to remember, I used to not be saved at one point. I don't like to talk about those. Those are old days. I don't talk about that. But, you know, and, and, and so the point is, you're going to see God do some amazing things, aren't you? And so, again, what's he saying? He's saying, guys, guys, God's heart, man, his heart is for people. His heart is for people. Can I just throw in a nugget here? Specifically in this season that we call Christmas, guys, we need to have a heart that's giving. Look for people that you can bless. Look for people that you can bless this season. 
You don't always have to give them money. You don't always have to buy their groceries. But what you can do is you can have a, a listening ear. You can have an attentive heart. And we, we, let's, not, let's not be those people that we see on TV that are just all about presence and, and ugly, and, and right? Let's remember this. You know, I was driving the other day, and I heard the song, and it said, he was singing, it's the most wonderful time. It was like, oh, that's cool. But you know what I thought? The Lord kind of put on my heart. He said, it's the most wonderful time of the year yet, but people, still, people are still lonely. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but people are still depressed. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but they just buried a friend of ours last week. So we need to be sensitive to that as believers. We need to be sensitive because people matter. Okay, So Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, as we jump into chapter 11, we want to keep in mind a cultural freedom we have in Christ. Okay, remember my story. You got to cut your hair. You got you're in sin. That's not God's not happy with you. Ah, remember my story. But let's see what the text actually say. You guys with me? Look at verse two. Paul says, "Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you." Now I love this verse, guys. If you're a highlighter and an underliner, this is a great verse. Why? Because this church is a mess, right? This church is a mess. And what does Paul say? Paul loves them and encourages them. Guess what he's saying? He's saying, man, I praise you for doing the right thing. I praise you for doing the right thing. What was the right thing? Well, if you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for traditions because it means the oral teachings I just taught you. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's going, man, I just, I love that. You guys are doing awesome. You guys are walking and remembering the teachings I left me with. Good job. Paul says that. Now, why do you love this? Here's why. Paul praises them for doing well. Here's the question. You ready? How often do we? How often do we? So you see, I looked at this and I thought, man, this church is a mess. And Paul had every right to go, what is wrong with you folks? You guys are messed up. You guys are doing this. You, you have one dude sleeping with his stepmom. What is wrong? No, Paul says, listen, I praise you. You guys, are, you guys are following the teachings. And I thought, listen, how often do we encourage people? And here's what I wrote on my notes. How come at times we only focus on the negative? And, and I thought, Paul praises them for doing well. We need to praise each other for doing well. And, and, and not always look at the name. I know, guys, listen, I get it. We live in a negative world. You watch, you watch the news for any length of time. Man, we're negative. I can't believe you. But, but listen, listen, guys, let's take the example of Paul. If you're married, find out what your husband is doing right and tell him. You guys tracking with me? Right? If he picks up his clothes from the floor once, tell him, amen, that was a good job. That was a good job. You know what a husband loves? I'll tell you what a husband loves. A husband loves when, she, when your wife says, man, I'm proud of you. Why? I'm proud of you. You get up, you go to work every morning. You, you, you just, amen. Listen, men, we're a mess. It's the same way. It's the same way. I love Paul that encourages that, guys. I love, right? We, we don't want to be so negative, right? Don't tell your husband, is that your underwear on the floor? 
Because he goes, well, it better be, because if not, we got a problem. <laughs> we, we have to talk, lady. Let's not be so negative. Let's not be so... And men, don't leave your underwear on the floor, okay? That's just wrong. That's just wrong. Oh, yeah, she liked that one. I could have said socks, but the underwear just really... Paul praises him. You guys are doing good. You guys are doing good. Now, jot this down. You ready? This is key. This is key. You have to write this down. Paul is going to establish order in humility. Order in humility. And he's actually going to take us back to Genesis, and I'll show you that in a minute. But he wants to... Notice what he does, guys. This is the proper text. Look at verse 3. He says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ... The head of every woman is man, and the head of every Christ, right, of, of Christ is God. Okay? Now, he's establishing order. Listen, I could take this text, I could take this text, pull it out, woo, I could have a heyday. I could have a heyday. Why? Think about what he's saying. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. Look at verse three. Everybody see the butt there? Paul just praised you. Don't let the but, right, negate the praises of the previous verse. All right, you ever do that? Let me tell you, you've just been, you've done really good, but you're like, ah, you forget everything that was told to you because there's a but. But he says, but listen, listen. He says, I want to share something with you. He says, here's what you need to know, right? I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Can I get an amen? Men, let me talk to the men. Men, we must not try to be the head over Christ. He is Lord. It says the head of every man. The word head is authority. He is our authority. When we try to do things out of, we become the authority. Well, God, I know your word says this. I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. You're not under the authority of Christ. That's what Paul is saying. And I think there's a great truth there. Men, we have to be those that go, okay, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to honor you, Lord. I'm going to honor you. you. You are my authority. You are my authority. And the word of God is that, right? That's what he says. He is Lord. But then Paul says something here that gets the women all upset. It says, the head of every woman is man. I didn't get a woman amen at all on there, did I? There's not a woman going, amen. They're like, you better watch it, pastor. You better watch it. I didn't say it. Paul did. But let me tell you why. Paul is establishing what? He's establishing holy order. Holy order. Okay? And his desire, guys, is that we walk in humility. So he wants to remind us in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, he wants to remind us why God set up order. He said this in Genesis three sixteen To the woman, he said, I will multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You will bring forth children. Is that an amen? Any of you who had children, it hurts. No, I mean, seriously. Listen, listen. Got to tell a quick story. My wife, oh, she would love, she would always tell me to tickle, and she'd love me to tickle, you know, just just t- her arm and everything, right? Well, at the birth of our second daughter, I thought, man, I'll be nice, and I'll start tickling her, and she looked at me, and she says, don't touch me. I was like, whoa, because there was pain in childbirth. Amen to the scripture. That's what I'm saying. But anybody notice he says, he says this, and your desire, everybody see that? Your desire will be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. Ah, yeah, there it is. 
There it is, right? The word desire says, listen, ladies, here's, here's your natural desire apart from Christ. You want to rule the roost. Well, of course I do. Men are dumb. They just don't know what to do. I get it. I get it. But guys, listen, he's saying, no, no, no. Established order, your husband's going to rule over you. Now, we love that, men. We are like, rule, amen. I'm the king of my castle. She's going to do what I say. No, 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 no. Listen, here's God's natural order. Yet men will take this out of context. Hey, look at what God said. Well, I don't, I don't believe in Old Testament. I go to New Testament. Ephesians says, women, you need to submit to me, right? Because the Bible says women submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, right? So men will nudge their wives and say, you need to submit to me. What I say goes, I'm authority. The problem is, man, is that, is that you're way out of line because you don't read the verse before and you don't read the verse after. You go, what? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, and further submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. Whoa, time out, pastor. Yeah, he's, before he says women submit to your husbands, he says you be submitting to one another. Listen, I got to be honest with you. I'd be a fool not to submit to Nathalie. She's smart. She's a helpmate. She loves me. She has my best interest at heart. I would be a fool, and she would be a fool not to submit to me. We submit to each other. That's how, that's how God works. We submit to each other. Well, but, but, but pastor, what about the, net, the, the second verse after that? What about verse 25? Here's what it says. For husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave uh, and gave up his life for her. So here's the one thing. You can look at your wife and you can bow up and you say, woman, you need to submit to me. And she can turn around and say, you need to die for me. You know what? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I've, I've given up my life for the church. Now, here's what I love about this, okay? Because when it says that Jesus gave up his life, he didn't sit there and go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die as long as the church is worth it, as long as they're perfect, as long as they, he goes, I love them even though they're imperfect. So, men, we can't take this verse and go, "Uh uh-huh, see, the head of every woman is man. Get in there and make me some food, woman. Where's my slippers? Where's my newspaper? Whatever, whatever. That's, That's not what God says. God's establishing holy order. You know how I know? Because Paul teaches this in Galatians. Jot this down, Galatians 3.28. Here's what he says. In Christ... There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So Paul's teaching, listen, we're all equal. In Christ, we're all equal. Isn't that amazing? On earth, there's a natural order. And that's what he says. He says, the head of every man is who? Christ. The head of every woman is man. Okay, that's what he says. And then he says this, the head of Christ is God. Now, everybody goes, scratch, scratch, scratch. Hmm, what are you talking about? Listen, this is order in the church. Why? Because we know, guys, we know that God and Jesus were equal. Can I get an amen? They were three in one. Yet he writes, the head of Christ is God. Well, we go to Scripture and we go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did Jesus say? Well, if you're taking note, in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus is speaking and he says this, I and my Father are one. He says, we're one. Okay. But then, if 
A little bit further, as Jesus is speaking in verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 28 of John, he says this, you have, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Well, he just said he's one. What's he doing? What's he doing? Guys, listen, ready? Jesus is giving us the greatest example of walking in humility. He's giving us the greatest example. He's showing us how we need to live. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11, he says, although Jesus was God, he made himself no reputation, taking the form of a servant. And then he says this, listen, in verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus is walking in humility. He's showing us that humility. So what, is the, what does the text say? He's saying, listen, he's saying it's, a, it's, it's order and humility. Can't pull it out of context, amen? But then he addresses the church still. Look, look at verse 4. Of First Corinthians, he says, "Every man praying or prophesying, prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one in the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it's shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered." And all of us go, "What did Paul just say?" What about Paul? Women, listen, you all need to have your head covered. Uh, Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Okay, you ready? This is the beauty of studying Scripture. You guys remember in Corinth, there was the temple of Diana, right? And the the worshipers there were known as a thousand prostitutes. And the thousand prostitutes would come and descend upon the city every night looking for worshipers. Okay, they were going to solicit men. You go, yeah, I remember that. That's the background of Corinth. How did you know, how would you know the difference between a prostitute and just a normal citizen of Corinth? You ready? All the prostitutes either had a shaved head or short hair. And so, and so you knew, you knew. Okay? You knew this. As a matter of fact, do you realize in this culture that if you were caught in adultery, a woman was caught in adultery, they would then take your head and shave it. And you'd go, oh, what happened? You were married. I know you were married, but now, huh, huh. Paul says, okay, listen, church, every woman here with their head uncovered it dishonors her head. Now, who's the head? It's their authority. It's their husband. Okay? So what happens is that Paul is Jewish, and in the Jewish realm, here's what they would do. They would have the women cover their head, okay, when they come in to pray or prophesy. He says, when you come... Now, now they're going, but we're free in Christ. We're free to come in, and we are free not to... He goes, yeah, but be careful because, because something's happening here. Something's happening here, okay? You go, well, like what? He says, you got to be careful because what you're doing is you're declaring something by your action. What? Let me explain it this way. In our culture, we have 
what's known as a wedding ring, okay? A wedding ring. Why do we buy a wedding ring, right? Why didn't Nathalie give me this wedding ring? I'll tell you why she gave me this wedding ring. Because she put it on my finger that day, and she said, you are off the market. You are, you are no longer available. Same thing with her. You guys got that, right? So if I decide not to wear my wedding ring, right, what am I saying? I'm available. But you're still married. Yeah, but what are my actions saying? I'm available. I'm available. Same thing with her. If, I, if, if she doesn't have her rings, I say, baby, where's, where's your ring? What's up? Well, you know, you go to a store like that, people are going to think you're, for, you're, you're available. Oh, I forgot. Well, you better not forget again, girl. <laughs> you know what the scripture says. You guys see the point? But do you realize that in a culture thing, if you go to India, now this is what I've heard. I've never been to India, but this is what a, a, a pastor friend told me. He says, if you go to India and you wear a ring, that it's a sign of weakness, that you have no authority in your house. So if I were going to be a missionary in India, I'd have to take off my ring and say, because then they would respect me. If I wore this, then they'd be like, oh, they're not going to listen to you. You have no authority in your house. Your, your, your wife rules the roost. It's different cultures. You guys see the point. But what am I saying with my ring? I'm saying, here, here it is. You ready? I'm declaring something by action. And here's the principle. You guys ready? Here's the point. Here's the application. Okay? By covering or not covering, they're making a declaration of belief by how they behave. That's good stuff. That's good stuff right there right? Think about this. The main theme of these verses, right, is this. What are we declaring about God by the way we act? Got awful quiet in here, didn't it? I mean, isn't that true? I was so convicted because, guys, listen, here's what we're saying. We're teaching even if we don't know it. We're saying something even if we don't know it. We're declaring by our action, right? I'm going to take off my ring. What am I saying? I'm not saying anything. No, you're saying, I'm available, women. No, you're not. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Now, no, I mean, there's no, there's, no, there's no judgment here. If you forget your ring, I understand. Sometimes we do. I get it. All right? But the point is, is that, is, is that let's look at our lives. Let's look at our lives, guys. What are we saying about our Jesus by our actions in our life. I don't want anyone ever to not come to faith because they look at my life and they misread the Bible. I'm not perfect. I get that. And people don't expect you to be perfect either. But here's what we need to understand. We need to understand character. What are you characterized by? What are you characterized by? If we're going to encourage somebody like Paul did, guess what? Are we characterized by that? that, that's, that that's what he's talking about. For a man, indeed, ought to not cover his head since he's the image of the glory of God. Everybody see that? You want to know something interesting there? He says, man, man, man should just let it go. He shouldn't cover his head. But if you go to Israel today and you go to the Western Wall, they make you put a covering on. You either need to cover your head or you need to put a hat. I found that interesting. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Things have changed. Okay, but woman is the glory of man. Here's why. For man, listen, is not from woman, but woman from man. There you go. For 
nor was man created for the woman, but woman for man. This is the reason that women ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now, here's what we need to understand. Man is not from women, but women came from man. Everybody got that, right? I have one less rib because this is where woman came from. Now, where did it come from? It came from the vital organs. It came from my heart. She's my helpmate. That's the whole purpose. That's where women came from. Okay? God did not take a, a, a bone out of our foot so that we could walk on them. And God did not take a, a, a bone from our head so she's the head of us right here, right here on the side. And he's saying, that's, that's the whole point. That's, that's where man came from. And the men go, amen. And he says, by the way, the angels are looking. I don't know why Paul would say that other than the angels know uh, what authority and order is. And they're looking down and they're watching us right now. And they're going, man, I want to just make sure what's going on. He says, the angels, the angels, how they submit to authority. He goes, I want to see if those who have the Holy Spirit inside them submit to authority. Now, even if a man would stand up and go, look at that woman, you came from, you came from me. Without me, you wouldn't belong. Look at verse 11. He says, nevertheless, neither is a man independent of woman nor a woman independent of man in the Lord. You know what he's saying? I like this. He says both are necessary. Both are necessary. We need each other. Okay? Why? Men, you need a helpmate. You need a helpmate. No, I can't do it alone. I don't need a woman to help me. No, you do. You do. Women, you can't go it alone either. I don't need no man. I don't need no man to help me. I do it myself. No, you need a, you need a, we're, we're independent. We're both. Listen, women, you guys are strong. I mean, listen, you can change a tire. That's cool. But you shouldn't have to. We need each other. We need each other. And men, when you do laundry, don't dump the whole box of soap in there just so you can get your wife to do the laundry. It doesn't work. Paul says, judge among yourselves. It is proper for a woman to pray to God with her hair uncovered? That's a good question, Paul. Does not even nature itself teach you that a man has long hair and dishonored him? What's the text, guys? Nature. He's talking about order. Notice verse 15. But if a woman has long hair, look at it. It's a glory to her. It's glorious. Amen. For her hair is given to her for recovering. Okay? He's talking about cultural freedoms. Cultural freedoms. Okay? He's not, you can't sit there and go, it's a sin to have long hair, it's a sin to have short hair, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. He's going culturally, man, that's what it's about. We need each other. It's authority. Okay, so let's close. Let's close this section, guys. Here's what I want to remind you, okay? Here's what I want to remind you. This is so key. Our actions, our behaviors, how we treat our spouses, they declare more than you think. You know what they do declare, guys? We need to be careful because they declare that our belief, our walk, and our love for God. What are we saying without saying it? You see, culturally, Paul is talking about what? Paul is talking about head coverings. He's talking about authority. He's talking about order. He's talking about humility. But what we can take away is that we need to be careful how we behave at home, in the workplace. Listen, our Christian life here should be no different at home. 
should be no different at work. It, it shouldn't. Because there are people watching your life going, Let's do this. If a wedding ring tells the world I'm unavailable, that's what I want my heart to do. Lord, world, I'm not available. I belong to God. He's my husband. My actions show that I'm loyal and I'm and and I'm and, and I'm just worthy. I'm just I'm just that's what I want people to see. I love Jesus. Well, you made a mistake. I know. Forgive me. I still love Jesus. Well, you said an unkind thing. I know. I hate it when I do that. I'm working on it, but I still love Jesus. This is going to sound corny, but let's make sure we have a wedding ring around our heart for God. That's how we should behave. That's how we should behave. And listen, if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do we teach. teach, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to understand God's order and authority, and I'm going to walk in humility. Why? You ready? Jot this down. Last thought. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We don't live for ourselves anymore. Once you got saved, you don't live for yourself anymore. You live for others, and others will see your life. Amen. Father, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We love you so much, God, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.